Hello and welcome to The Swim Brief. I am Chris DeSantis and today, this Tuesday, I'm prepping to make an international flight tonight, but I thought I'd get on here and record just before. And um, what I'm going to be talking about today is how I dealt with, in my opinion, the worst swim coach I ever had. And I'm both going to talk about how I dealt with it. And then now, as I'm getting on almost 20 years uh, past that relationship, what kind of advice I would have given to myself for dealing with it. Um, and as you can tell, usually with these podcasts, this is something that I've given quite a bit of thought to. And it's a situation that I run into in my coaching, not necessarily like when I'm working with athletes that they go like, my coach is the worst coach I ever had. But everybody has frustrations with their coach. Um, and uh, on, on the flip side, uh, coaches have frustrations with every single athlete that they coach. So it's it's a worthy thing to talk about. It's worthy to think about uh, how you can set up processes that make the best out of situations that you're in. And I guess that's sort of where I want to start with it, the, the, the framework for all of this. And it comes back to a, a fundamental insight that I have about, you know, what leads people to be uh, successful. And uh, of course, sports is uh, has, has been a modality that's taught me a lot of things. And uh, certainly coaching this is something that I learned in that respect because I've been really fortunate to be around some people that have achieved at a really high level in the sport of swimming. And um, it made me spend a lot of time thinking about why they were able to do that. And I, I think one fundamental thing that I have noticed about people that do succeed at a really high level in the sport of swimming is that they are good at taking whatever context they're in, whatever situation they're in, whatever kind of coaching they're getting, whatever kind of atmosphere they're in, um, whatever it is, and making it work for them. They are very creative thinkers, and they are creatively positive, right, in the sense that they will look at a lot of the circumstances that they're going through in in life or that they're experiencing and they'll actually like construct thought infrastructure around it that makes it work for them that it makes it it makes it into a positive situation it makes it into a constructive situation um makes it into a a hopeful situation or or somehow um frames it in their own mind as an advantage that they have and um I talked about this a little bit on a previous podcast as we were discussing the best swimmers we ever we ever coached um because I think you know one of my reflections on that that I talked about in that podcast was that it can be really it can really fool your ego as a coach, because when you have somebody in the water who is incredibly creative in this way, you can think like, wow, my coaching's really working. Like everything that I'm doing works, but that may be true, but 
but I also look at it from the perspective of, you know, when you have somebody at the other end who's just really skilled at synthesizing all the inputs that they are getting um, from you and making them into into forward <laughs> momentum for themselves, then, then you know, that is a, a, a really, really, really giant skill. So how does this relate? Well, it's no secret if you've been listening to this podcast, you've been reading me blog um, for a long time, I did not get along with my college swim coach. And I, and I talked uh, quite a bit about this when I um, talk with college athletes, because I think it's important to acknowledge, I, I definitely talk about it when I coach athletes, because um, I think it is good and productive for everybody to have a space to discuss some of what they're thinking um, and have it be a, a, a non-judgmental space and have it be a, a space where they can start to process some of what's going on. And it's definitely, uh, I'm going to jumping ahead a little bit, but definitely something that I didn't have an incredibly productive system for when I was uh, going through this, when I was, when I was swimming through, um, college, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, you know, the, the, the various ways that I managed the relationship. And what I'm really going to be talking about is I'm somebody with a, a lifelong love of swimming and swimming was something that I was planning on doing forever. <laughs> um, in fact, when I, when I graduated college, I remember this is actually one, one time that my coach and I got into a really big fight. Um, it took me, I don't know, maybe we'll get to that story in this podcast, but, uh, you know, we had a, um, uh, you know, like a senior meet and we had a, a, a nice dinner with the parents afterwards and the seniors got to say a few words. I mean, when I was a college senior, my, um, my few words that I said were all about how I, I loved swimming and I planned on being involved in the sport of swimming some, somehow for life. And, and yet, you know, you're not going to get along with everybody. You're going to run into situations where, you know, in order to keep swimming, you, you, might be interacting on a daily basis with somebody that you just really don't get along with that for some reason, the way that they are and the way that you are, which I think is a big piece of this in that moment, just does not, just does not really work. And one of the things I, I do for athletes, and I'm very emphatic about this is um, when I'm, when I'm coaching them is I always want to find a way to actually make it work with whoever it is they've got for a coach right now. I think that too often we have a culture that says, you know, just, oh, you're, you don't like that coach. We'll swap it out for a new coach and just, you know, find, just, you know, find, find a better fit or whatever. And people avoid doing really important introspective kind of work that addresses what it is that they're showing up with that may, you know, may make it really hard 
for them to get along with another person. Um, I think in, in my case, if I look back at my um, college swim coach, and I, I, I generally uh, look back at my, my pre, <laughs> let's be honest, even now, I'm kind of hard to coach um, in a swimming context because uh, I've always, I always, always was extremely opinionated about what I thought was right. Um, and I had a pair of high school coaches um, that I've talked a lot about in, in various contexts that I think were incredibly knowledgeable, but also um, they they had a certain security about themselves where you know, like if I came with a really strong opinion, um, they could, they could get me to see it their way. Um, and without, without plowing me over, you know, they, they had a, like really, really good skills for handling some of that stuff. Um, and when I got into college, it was very, to me, it was very, very hierarchical, um, in a way that, I responded really poorly to in the beginning. I mean, one of the you know little niggly examples I always use of this is uh, that my college swim coach was the first person who uh, coached me in my entire life that refused to go by his first name. His first name was Tom. Um, we could not call him Tom. Right? He was Coach Burton or Mister Burton, and um, you know, I think to me at that time in my life that that communicated a lot of insecurity that you know like that i need this title in order for you to respect me and i it it my response to that at that time was you know i i thought it was wrong and i didn't know how to deal with the fact that i thought it was wrong right i didn't have anywhere to go with that um, because what I was used to was a system where, you know, I think the, the, the person on the other end just sort of like let that flow through. And so the moments where I was really opinionated and, you know, thought something was right, we had a, we had a system and I, I just, I could not find the lane at that time to express, um, what it is. And so I, I tried, I tried restriction, right? The first thing I think that I tried was, um, well, I don't think this person is right, but yet they are, you know, kind of an immovable force in terms of what they think is right. My, my coach is really stubborn <laughs> in what he thought. And I'm just going to like override my own thoughts and just try to conform to this. And that did not work because um, over time, what I did was just build up resentment. Um, and that resentment, you know, accumulated towards him. We had a massive fight at the end of my first year because, you know, I think when you're in that restriction mode in a relationship, you are, you're really being very hard on yourself 
And then when the other person, you know, which is normal in a coaching relationship that your coach is, is going to be uh, tough with you. But when they, then they tr try to come tough with you, you know, you're going to respond. I responded really poorly to it. Cause I was like, I'm already, you know, my, in my, my, my thought process was I'm already being so hard on myself to conform, you know, like I'm already overriding what I think is right to do what you want. Like, give me a effing break, man. <laughs> right. And then the other end, you have a coach who's just doing what coaches do, which is, you know, challenge people and, um, try to convince them of, of something else. Um, and, you know, I think that, that, that was, that was sort of my first year. The second year, I even went further doubling down on that strategy. I decided that, you know, the problem was that I, um, really didn't, you know, override enough. Um, that had really disastrous consequences because, the more that I tried to tried to just plow over myself and my own objections to what I thought was going on, the more I had this anger and resentment building up in the background that, you know, just sort of exploded forth at various times. And it wasn't always directed at my coach, right? It would be it would be randomly directed at some teammate of mine or um you know, somebody, <laughs> a professor or a friend, or, um, you know, uh, uh, most of the time at myself, I think, you know, when you don't have tools for processing anger and actually allowing yourself to experience anger in real time, um, what I see as most people's processes in that situation is they direct that anger right back at themselves. It, it just, you know, like it just sort of, uh, implodes on them in that situation. And I had a lot of situations where I was imploding. Um, and like many college kids, how did I deal with that imploding? Well, I dealt with it mostly by, you know, uh, being a good boy for six days and then being an absolute animal on Saturday night, um, drinking way to excess and, um, you know, sort of having that be as much of an outlet as I had for some of the stuff I was dealing with. So I, I came up with a little bit more of a successful strategy as I entered into my junior year. I mean, one of the insights that I had was that sophomore year, I had a teammate, you know, who came in, right. And I was, it was people now were filling in behind me and he just had a brilliant freshman year and he was a friend of mine. And, um, he did so well. And I was looking at the situation, like this situation sucks. I can't do well here. You know, this is just a, I have a terrible coach. This is so bad. And, and yet I was having this guy behind me who swam the exact same things I swam. He was like, uh, <laughs> he was a lot shorter than me and he was just kicking my butt. And so I remember one day I just went to him and I went, you know, like, how do you, coach is so frustrating. Like he drives me crazy, bothers me with this and that. And I was like, how do you, you know, how do you deal with that? Like you're doing so well, what's going on? He goes, well, uh, I don't know. I don't really think a lot about 
what coach says there. And it struck me like, I was like, I didn't even know that was an option. I didn't even realize that I didn't have to put so much into like the stuff that, that my coach was saying that I didn't agree with that um, really grated on me or triggered me in a way. Like I didn't have to put that much energy into it. I could put my energy elsewhere. You know, I could put my energy into other productive places. So, and, you know, it's important to note in this context for anybody listening to this story for the first time, I swam in the NESCAC conference in college division three. Um, it is, I, I think it is the most restrictive in terms of what kind of, what amount of coached practice you can have. We couldn't practice until November 1st and our season essentially ended. If you were, you know, if you were done at the conference championship, like I was, you were done at the last week of February. So it's almost like a, a glorified high school season in length. And what that meant is that you had incredible autonomy during the year. And I'd spent my first two years being like, well, I need to like master what it is my coach wants me to do and override what I think is right. And yet I had all these people actually who were being really successful around me who were just like, well, I'll do what I think is right. And then, yeah, for a season, I'll, you know, I'll follow along the program. But um, even within that, we had voluntary morning practice. We could do whatever we wanted when we came to, we could do a practice or we could just, you know, so I just started doing that. I started taking um, more autonomy. I started sort of filling into those spaces and instead of filling them with like, you know, like, see, see coach, see, I'm doing what you're saying. I'm doing what you're saying. I go, okay, well, what do I think is right? If I'm, if I'm so strong and opinionated and have so many ideas about what I think I should be doing in this situation, let me start filling in um, all this blank canvas <laughs> that I've been given with it. And um, that led to some real flourishing in my junior year. It was the best year of swimming that I had in college. Um, I, I broke through in a big way and I was happy. Um, and my relationship actually with my coach improved quite a bit. I mean, um, because I was no longer setting up this situation where it was like, I you like, see, 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 I've been so mean to myself to make you happy. I hope you're happy now, you know? And instead I was just doing things that actually made me happy and showing up in the space where, um, I felt really good. Um, it fell apart for me the next year. I got voted to be captain of the team. And um, a lot of my strategy was built on a little bit of avoidance of my coach. And when you become captain of the team, like you get pushed into more interaction. You got to be more interaction with your coach. Um, and I was not prepared for that the next year. So a lot of this stuff um, devolved into, <laughs> into, uh, conflict between us. And I, I told the story about telling that, um, telling that, giving that, that talk, that, that little talk as a senior saying that I, you know, would have a lifelong love of swimming. Well, how did that turn into a conflict between myself and my coach? And you're probably wondering, well, he can't, we had to meet the next day. It was sort of like a thing where, uh, we had to meet on a Saturday 
parents all came into town, you know, seniors got to talk. There was a little dinner on Saturday night and then we had another meet on Sunday. So parents could come in, they could see their kids race twice. You know, it was like a, it was all by design and we were standing on the pool deck and, you know, he walked up and he put his arm around me and he said, like, really like what you said last night. You know, I think you and I are, are a lot more similar than you think. And the thought of being similar to him, I mean, he was somebody that I really didn't like. So that set me off. And I, I think I, you know, uttered something like, well, you and I are nothing alike. You know, I huffed off. Um, and we didn't really talk uh, essentially for the rest of this was probably January of my senior year. We didn't have any conversations except, you know, for him to be like, here's the events that you're racing in, um, in this meet and, or here's your spot in the relay lineup, you know, at our conference championships. And that was basically it we had. Um, and of course it made it really hard for me because it's, it's not a good place to be not communicating (laughs) with the person that is coaching you. I mean, one of the things that I, uh, and I'm that you probably use this as the pivot point for talking about some of the stuff that I would have done now and why I work so hard to get the kids that I, I coach to um, continue interacting with their coach is, you know, it, it takes a village to be successful. It takes actually, you, it, you don't get, um, there, even as I say now, even now, as I train basically by myself, I have people that I talk to every single day about what I'm doing. I have people that are giving input that are, that are in my village for what I'm doing. And when you're a young person and you're in a, a swimming system, even if you don't get along with that person, it's better to have them involved than not, not at all. I'm I, that I learned that the hard way. Um, that even though it felt good and righteous to you know tell my coach to go screw himself because we were nothing alike, um, it uh, it's not it's not what I coach people to do now. It's not what I advise because um, you you're going to be better off whatever it is you think about the person on the other end and whether you like them or you don't, um, you're better off figuring out what parts of the relationship can work for you than, you know, being in a self-righteous huff about what parts don't. Right. Um, You're better off being able to, figure out where the opportunities are, then staying mired, um, perceiving all of the problems, all of the limitations, all of the things that you think, well, like, yeah, and this sucks too, right? I mean, um, and I was very, very much in that space. And it's, it's not wrong to have stuff that you like and you don't like. It's not wrong to disagree 
on what you think is right. And ultimately, um, you're going to run into those situations and some of those things that you don't like, they go well beyond, you know, stuff that you should just go like, well, that's a difference of opinion, right? There is stuff I believe that is, that crosses a line where you go, well, that is fundamentally wrong. And I, I have talked very openly about some of those with my own college swim coach. Um, I'm not going to get into them here on this podcast. Maybe we'll save that for another one. Um, but there were definitely moments like that where, you know, I would not have coached myself to just say, Hey, let's just, you know, <laughs> let's just find a way to make this work. There's, there it, it so this is not blanket advice but a lot of the, the the stuff that i'm talking about on here like the stuff where somebody comes up and tries to sell me like hey you know you and i were we're not so different right like i that's the stuff that i look back on and go there was a different way there was a different way i could have handled that and it would have been of course better for me but it would have been better for everybody um everybody involved in the situation. Um, I mean, you think it wasn't awkward for my teammates for me to be captain of the team and not really talking to my coach that that wasn't really fair to the people that I was on a team with at all. Um, so one of the other things that I reflect in and look back on and and this becomes a piece of how i coach now is that you know those moments where you get real angry and you think this isn't right and this is you know like i i disagree those are opportunities for you. They, they, they present themselves as problems and they, and if, and if you, um, stay there, you know, they can become like a movable objects that there's just, you know, where you're just helpless and there's nothing. Those are big opportunities because anytime you find yourself in that space, and believe me, like as a, as a 39 year old out there, um, and people have seen this kind of stuff that I've written and talked about over the years. I have some really strong opinions about what's wrong and right. And I run into a lot of people who I um, end up pretty vocally disagreeing with what I think they're doing. I end up saying very strongly that what I think they're doing is wrong. But what I've learned over time is um, to help myself is that both you know, just, just, you know, screaming it from the rooftop. There's no rooftop that's high enough that will just be enough to process all the anger and righteousness that you have in those situations. And, but you can learn to see the opportunity. And the opportunity is you think, something is whenever you see something and you think something's really wrong 
what is it you think is right? What is it that you value? You know, when, when things that you see make you so angry that you like, that you feel you can't even move off of that anger, that is an opportunity. That is a moment when you can have such clarity about what it is you value and what it is you think is right. And if you can use every single one of those situations as an opportunity to bring that stuff into focus, then then you then you can bring so much momentum into your life towards those things. I mean, if I look back at the story that I told you, right, and I was so mad that he said we were alike, you know, if I could have recognized in my situation that my my definition of what it meant to have a lifelong relationship with swimming was that I thought that the the work that I was doing in swimming went way beyond the sport, that it went way beyond the results of a given season or a, a given athletic career, that it um that it was through sports that you could unlock knowledge for any, literally any other thing that you were going to um, try in life. And that, No amount, there was, there's no goal that was worth torturing yourself and just, as I did, obliterating yourself, obliterating your own sense, just plowing over your own sense of right and wrong. There was nothing, there's no goal that was worth that. I'm on the flip side, then what I could have realized in that moment is that the path towards achieving something, you still have that in you where you go, well, I, yeah, okay, but I want to do something really ambitious. There's a path towards that. It comes less automatically to you. It, um, it's not immediately accessible and tangible. But there is a a path towards motivating yourself to do something that seems impossible. And you can learn to do that. And you can learn 
to do that in a way that doesn't tear you down, but actually builds your skills for a future attempt at another crazy, seemingly impossible goal. Um, that's what I reflect on and, and think about when I look back on, you know, the way that I was in that situation, because again, I, th- I think that I have coached athletes who, um, they are using the power of, uh, they're, they're, not just positive thinkers, but they are creative thinkers and they have harnessed that creativity towards positivity. And they have a system. They have a process for turning stimuli into positive thought creation in the future. That's my podcast for this week. I'll be in Denmark. I'm going to record with Joel um later and i hope you guys really enjoy that one i hope you enjoyed this one as well uh if you're interested in a pair of goggles magic5.com slash the swim brief i'll be wearing my magic fives training at my old danish swim club on thursday this week so i'm really looking forward to that thank you everybody for listening thank you for supporting the swim brief um and thanks for uh going on this journey learning some of this stuff and, and reflecting on some of this stuff with me and i'll see you again soon